0: Here's the thing, Painter. People come to us for news. They come to us for information. They come to us for all the up-to-date football knowledge that we can give them. And right here, right now, we're going to give it to them. Recording this on Thursday night, all right? Auburn has just gone through uh, the, the circus at SEC Media Days. We'll talk about that. But we've got breaking news to talk about first. We've got, like, important football news to talk about first off. And that is, of course... You come to the Auburn Observer for NFL transaction news. Number one, Sal Canella Like, that was a snarky opening, but, like, legit, congrats to Sal Canella getting him an opportunity to play for the Green Bay Packers. He, was, he signed um, uh, a, a contract on Thursday. Uh, he was a USFL, like, all-USFL player this year, one of the best receiving tight ends in the league, one of the best pure receivers in the league uh, this past year. Got his chance. He's going to be on the team, and in, in, um, in Green Bay, he'll go through training camp. See how it goes. But yeah, Sal. I mean, here's the thing, man. When he came out of Auburn, I was like, that dude had a lot of potential. And it was one of those things where he was a package player. Like it was just a certain like he was going to line up at the slot, or he's going to they're going to throw a jump ball to him. Like he had a pretty good success rate when the ball got to him. Right. It's just he didn't he didn't play a ton, and I didn't, he was kind of positionless. Uh, but man, shout out to Sal! Shout out to Sal for for that because uh, pretty likable dude. Uh, when he, when uh, we covered him at Auburn, and you know, get opportunity the 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 you know the Packers. I mean, there's few places where you can go in the NFL that's a bigger deal than that.
1: I'd seen he was doing well in the USFL. Is that the is that the right abbreviation? Yeah. Good for him, though. I hope it works out.
0: Yeah, I know, and I was talking to my friend Justice uh, on Twitter earlier, and Justice uh, covers the Packers, and he was saying, hey, tell me what you know about Sal, and I was like, alright, well, he's a pretty good jump ball guy, he's kind of positionless at Auburn, didn't really play tight end very much. I didn't watch him a ton in the USFL, but he played well, like, you know, runs well for his size, former basketball guy, so his, his jump ball is really good, and he pointed out that um, you know you've got uh, the Packers right now. Uh they had a uh, you know they needed a third. They needed a third down t- uh, tight end because Robert Tanyan's hurt and he won't be able to be available until the middle of the season. They get a guy that's you know, a pure receiving guy, and they re- it reminds a lot of people. I think in Green Bay of Tanya that he was a wide receiver turned tight end. Actually, he was a quarterback turned wide receiver turned torn tight yeah, Turn tight end. So just a big dude can catch the ball and make plays after the catch. And, you know, Big Bob Tanyan last year was really good. He's not going to be available at the start of the season for them, though. So maybe he's got a shot. Like, they need another tight end, and they're going to roll the dice on him. And and uh, I think it was just one of those things where people were surprised um, that it was Sal. But shout out to Sal, man. The second bit of news.
1: I will always appreciate his catches in the Washington game in the Iron Bowl.
0: Dude, that catch in the Iron Bowl. The, Very the, the good. Drive Very he, good stuff.
1: Wasn't yeah. that the same drive where Seth Williams had a one-handed catch?
0: Yep, yep. That was the that was the drive when Bo like threw like it was just these crazy jump balls and like Auburn just kept hitting them. And Alabama, you could tell Saban was on the sideline like just losing his mind. Like he had no idea how this was happening. Um, but the second bit of news, and this is going to be important for you, Painter. Um, this is from Adam Schefter. As of this hour, Cleveland is signing former first round pick Josh Rosen to a one year deal per sources despite spending time with five other NFL teams Rosen is only twenty five years old and those who have been around him believe he's ready to prove that he belongs. I love it when he editorializes in his tweets It's like man that agent really wanted you to get that out there brother um painter as a josh rosen guy look don't want to get don 't want to get too dark here but no one really knows if Deshaun Watson is going to be able to play for the Browns this year. I mean, the, the legal situation is what it is. And what he's been accused of and, and all that, it's, it's, it's rough. It's very, very rough stuff. So the talk was that Cleveland was going to try out some guys. It's like, hey, if we need to have a starter, if he's not going to be able to go, this guy that we just moved heaven and earth to get, we need a backup. We need somebody who could be ready. And Painter could be Josh Rosen. Could, could, the, could the sixth time be the charm for your boy?
1: It's not just his redemption story, it is my redemption story.
0: What made you? I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but refresh my why were you a Rosen guy? The
1: only little bits of news that I got about him, I always liked. And so
0: Like the hot tub in the dormer? Sure,
1: like that was sort of an endearing thing to do and it's like, well, if I could have gotten away with that, I suppose I would have done it too. And I, actually I don't even know if he totally got away with it, but
0: at least <laughs>
1: he made some waves and it seemed like a good time. Yeah, I think I, vibes you know why not but uh i you know never been wrong about a quarterback before
0: never been wrong about a quarterback before and with that in mind let's talk about auburn football It's the Auburn Observer Podcast. Justin Ferguson coming to you uh, from a very old hotel in downtown Atlanta. Painter Sharpless is in parts unknown. Hello, Painter. Hello. This is our SEC Media Days Recap Edition. We're recording this on Thursday night. Auburn had just gone uh, through the ringer here at Media Days. Uh, Brian Harson, Tank Bigsby, Derek Hall, John Samuel Shanker all spent time in front of the media going through the circus. Um... And we're here to talk about. It. We're going to talk about what we learned, what we heard, what we saw, and uh, what it all kind of means moving forward. All right, let's get let's get some big bit of business out of the way here first. Some news, and not the fact that Josh Rosen's going to the going to Cleveland, um, although that is very important. Um, Auburn starts uh, fall camp on August fifth. Report day, first meeting. August 4th, which is a Thursday. It's two weeks from Thursday. So if you're listening to this on a Friday, two weeks from today is the first practice. All right. Um, so that's it. That's that. Our off season has come down to a sliver at this point. Um, newsy stuff from that, besides the, the announced date, Keontae Scott, the junior college cornerback, uh, number one JUCO corner in the country, number two overall JUCO recruit by the, by the composite this past year. He has he, he hasn't arrived at Auburn yet. He's the last one to arrive in the summer. Um, he is supposed to be here next week. Here is in Auburn, not here as in Atlanta. He's supposed to be in Auburn next week. Um, according to Brian Harson, had to take care of some uh, academic stuff. It's often the case sometimes with, uh, with, with, with junior college players. Uh, they expect him to contribute. Uh, Harson said, you know, we got to get him ready and get him in the rotation. He's going to be behind. He's doing work on his own. He's trying to keep up with install, but it's just different when you're not here. But they expect him to play because he's a really good junior college corner and Auburn needs more depth at corner. So, Keontae Scott is spo- supposed to be here next week and then Auburn will have a full roster. That roster is supposed to be healthy. Um, Harson said that uh, he talked to a team trainer recently and it seems like everybody's going to have a clean bill of health. Now, when they go full contact... Guys might be banged up a little bit. They might be limited in a, in a capacity. He mentioned Craig McDonald, the Iowa State transfer safety, uh, had a little bit of an ankle issue, so he might not be like, you know, all the way out, um, you know, for for fall camp, but they expect him to participate. This is big on the offensive line. We'll talk about that in a second. But if you remember correctly from the 8A game, Auburn had most of their offensive line not available. Nick Broms, Austin Troxel, Keandre Jones, Brandon Council, either missed all of the spring or a good chunk of it. They all should be back and ready to go in the fall. It's really good news. We'll talk about the offensive line later. Um, Andres Carlson, the bookstore, back to closer to 100%. They do seem, though, Harson did seem, though, that if they have to turn to Alex McPherson in this season to play a role as, as Carlson comes back from his injury, the nation's number one kicker is going to be ready. Seems to have good reviews coming out of him from uh, – Summer workouts. So, I think that's all the newsy stuff. Uh, okay, one more uh, quarterback. Auburn uh, Harson didn't commit to like a timeline for a starting quarterback. I think he said a couple different things. Um, this is from when he talked to us uh, in the local media privately, which is always one of my favorite things each year because you get you get kind of the nitty gritty stuff, the kind of stuff that you guys like like to know more than like the you know radio guy from Arkansas being like, "Well, what do you think about?" Texas, like you know, uh, just the, you know, and that's the thing. It's like that's what this is for, you know. I Media mean, Days is for for people to get all that info and all that all those interviews. We get to talk to Brian Harson and these guys a lot more frequently, obviously. So, uh, but Harson said, it, talking to us, they don't have a strict timeline, but it sounds like when fall camp switches from when you go from general practicing to let's prepare for a game they want to have a starter ready by then we might not know who the starter is he might not announce it he also left the door open that multiple eyes could contribute which looks really interesting and that's something i want to kind of dig into more as we get throughout august um but 10 days out thereabouts you might hear that auburn has a new starter before versa game uh whether it is at calzada or TJ Finley, or Robbie Ashford, or Holden Garner. All those guys are getting equal reps in practice. All right. I think that's all the newsy stuff here. Painter, you so I was I'll say this. I was not in the room when Brian Harson. I went back and watched it and read the transcript. I was not in the room when Brian Harson did his main speech. It was in the main room. The thing you see on TV. Um the reason for that is that we had just talked to him for half an hour, and I wanted to talk to the players and get, like, the the room that we were in early on, that Derek Hall and, and Tank Bigsby are in early on. It's really good, like, a lot of one-on-one, quite, not quite one-on-one, but a lot of direct questions. You can ask a lot of questions if you hang out in that room uh, just because of the way it's set up. Uh, our buddy Dan Peck, like, lived in there all week for, for, for the ESPN station in town, and, like... I st- I sat in there to work a few times and like there would be Texas A&M players, uh, Tennessee players, and like Dan would ask most of the questions because he was like back there just kept all right here we go let's get- <laughs> keep it going. So I d- I did not hear or see Harson live, but I went back later and, and watched it. Um, when we when we got on this call, Panter to-, to start recording, um, one of the first things you said to me was like. Uh, you got to give Harson prize for like, he wasn't, he, he didn't do what we thought he was going to do at Media Days this year.
1: No filibustering. I think he took the smart tact of just going out and acknowledging the awkward part, which he even called uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. And, and I think it's the thing where it's like, and I would hear if I was in this situation with him, you can focus, and he has, on the rumors and the personal attacks and all the nastiness that came out of of that. And yet that that was what spiraled out of control. That's what got this heat into like a raging fire. It's how stuff got out. It's how it spread. It's how it got really nasty. Um but it's like I think the context of like the the inquiry and and the and the investigation and all that of like people leaving, coordinators leaving, players leaving, complaints there, like that context still exists, right? And they didn't find anything in the investigation to get rid of him. And as he said, like, it didn't work. That's, like, one of the key lines of the the day was, like, y'all didn't think I was going to be here. And they tried to get me out of here, and it didn't work. And, like, I'll say this about him. You know, whether you like Brian Harson or not, whether you think he's going to succeed or not, whether you, um, you know, whether you're a sunshine pumper or you're, very, very pessimistic about the upcoming season. Either wherever you fall on the spectrum, I think you have to admit, dude, dude ain't making excuses and dude ain't running from it, man. Like he's just like, and I think there was part of that when the whole thing with the Mexico situation during the during the standoff where it was like he felt he stood his ground because he could have easily just said, you know what, this ain't working. They're out to get me. Bye, y'all. I'll go somewhere else or y'all pay me. Right you know, we'll settle, we'll get it out. Nope, he's still here. He's still the coach. And like he said, there were a good bit of people in that room on Thursday who didn't think he would be there. And there's a bunch of people who were in that room on Thursday and a bunch of people who were watching and listening that don't think he'll be in Nashville next year for media days.
1: It'd be so nice if he was name-checking people.
0: Yeah, if he just got up there and it was like, <laughs> it's like, all right, call him, call him S.A. And uh, yeah, no, he... he uh. I guess that was the thing is, like, I was very, you know, I don't get impressed with, like, Media Days performances because people are like, who won Media Days? And I was like, you're right in a column. Um, so, like, I don't get it. But, like, I will say, though, like, the fact that he was forthcoming about it, it's this attitude, though, that's kind of throughout Auburn. When you hear about uh Tank Bigsby, uh, when you hear from Tank Bigsby and you hear from Derek Hall and you hear from John Samuel Shanker, um today there's a message there's an attitude that's like hey y'all don't believe in us y'all think we're going to suck um i think Tank Bigsby even said it's like it's hard to be at auburn right you know people people are hating on you and you know you got to be tough to get through here i think that's i think that's the the vibe that the whole team's kind of got right now and look if you're going to make it work it's going to have to be this way i think like you're going to have they, by the time you're listening to this, maybe they've already known where they were picked in in the league. I wrote something about it earlier this week. It's probably going to be pretty low because the narrative around Auburn is, oh, this is going to go bad. This is going to go bad. Look, they lost five straight games. Nobody believes in their coach. They wanted to get rid of him. They're not recruiting well. They lost their quarterback. They lost their wider their top wide receivers. They lost some key defensive players. Schedule's brutal. All those things can be true, and I think Auburn's done a good job of been like, yeah, but... Like, it's not a thing like they had their head in the sand. It's not like a thing like they're ignoring it. And I think Brian Harson, a year after he did like a 2,000-word opening statement and took three questions, he got up there, he was direct, he said his piece, and he took a lot of questions. And... Like I mean I that I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that from him and I think that's uh you know it's better than the alternative. I think fans appreciate that. I think some fans appreciate that. Uh and like look man like the some of you didn't think I would be here line as an all-timer as well as if you if you want more information on this google it. Like that's that's an incredible thing to tell a bunch of people in the media. Like that's that's such a good line. I love it
1: he did his part yeah he He did did. his part i would say just acknowledging it best thing you could do
0: and i was talking and and i want to know how you feel about this i was talking to some people at media days some people around auburn some people not affiliated with auburn at all or cover it we're talking about auburn we're talking about kind of the situation they found itself in and i think when you heard throughout media days on thursday about hey the attitude of the team is I trust Jeff Schmidt. I think Jeff Schmettig like one of the smartest guys, you know, in in football. And he's, you know, we we go back. He's our dude. We, you know, we brought in some transfers. We brought in some guys. We brought back some guys that we think fit our culture and our in our system. Um, there's no, there's not going to be any excuses at the end of this. I don't think this is going to be a. Whether Brian Harson succeeds or not at Auburn, I don't think they're gonna to get to an end and be like, well, but well, but well he's he's doubled down, man. Like that whole the whole vibe from Auburn on Thursday was Brian Harson's gonna do it his way with his coaches, with his style, and he's putting it even more like you know, he's leaning even more into it. And my thought is if it's gonna work at all, it's gotta be this way. Because the whole handcuffing thing or you need to do this or this and this. I, this ain't, go, it ain't gonna work with this dude, man. Like, that's just this is not who he is. It's he's he's uh, uh Derek Harl kept calling him a disciplinarian today. It's like, yeah, I think it's just like he he has his way of doing things. That was one of the things Derek said. Like, he has his way of doing things. It's like roll with it or not.
1: Ryan Harson doesn't seem like a big cheat day guy for like, you know, you give yourself one cheat day a week. I don't know if yeah I don't know if he's really into those.
0: No, More
1: I don't. Of I don't. A consistency guy.
0: Well, I don't think you can be a cheat day, cheat day guy, and still work out with the team and run stadium stats with them. Which I know, like Marcus Freeman, the Notre Dame coach, got a lot of attention for that uh, this week. It's like, yeah, Harson's one of those guys who does that too. And uh, Derek Hall told a story that um, he does this challenge with Harson every time they see him, like when they're around working out or something like that. Uh, they'll they'll plank against each other. And they'll go they'll go head to head. And um, Derek said he's never beaten Harson. Man's an all SEC edge edge rusher. It's dude's hmm. incredibly physical. Poor <laughs> strength,
1: like, very important to the coach.
0: And it, and his forty something year old coach is just like, Yep.
1: <laughs> I'd love to share some biscuits and gravy with with brother Harson.
0: When was the last time you think Brian Harson had a carb? <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> thinking of the line from Step Brothers now (laughs) yeah
0: now it's just again i i think that's the whole thing though it's like there's not there's not gonna be any excuses right no matter where you sit on this painter i think if you're an auburn fan you got to be looking at this and saying hey if it's gonna work let let the man do what he what he wants let the man do it his way and with his style and his approach and his kind of players and his kind of culture and all that i don't know is that too naive of me to think or is that like is that the way to go
1: I don't know why it would be naive. I don't know what else he could have said today. I mean, he's not going to go out there and harp on all the the bad things, but I think by not completely ignoring it and simply acknowledging it, it was a good move.
0: There's a sentence he said during during the local session that stuck with me, and he repeated something very similar in the main session, but he said, talk about recruiting. He says there's a lot of time between now and when December comes to go out there and see what happens during the season and see how the teams improve. There's going to be a lot of narrative changes that happen over that time. And I've said it recently on the podcast. I've written about it. The only thing that's going to fix Auburn is winning football games. The only thing that's going to fix their recruiting is winning football games. The only thing that's going to fix them having alignment or having everyone pull in the right direction or whatever word you want to use, phrase you want to use for it, is going to be winning football games. You want the fan base behind you. Win football games. You want recruits to come, <laughs> you know, come, uh, come to your school. Win football games. You're in a mess, right? And it's not all completely 100 percent of your own making, right? The only thing that's going to get you out of it is winning, and the only thing that's going to keep you around at Auburn is winning. And he knows that. And it's like instead of saying, instead of making excuses, or instead of like looking at things one way or the other. In regards to the situation he finds himself in. He was just saying like, Hey, what's my message to recruits? Watch us play. We're gonna win. We're gonna change the narrative. We're gonna be different. And again, that's a cohesive message. That's a that's a good message to have from the top down. And it's not fully to me, it's not fully to me like coach speak either. You know, it's not like, well, we're just gonna try. We're gonna do everything right. You know, we're gonna we're gonna try our hardest every day and see what. Like, it's just like, no, we're gonna win. And I guess if if they don't, well, I mean, you've already got all the problems that you have right now, right? Like, no one's gonna be sitting around thinking like, well, what if this happened or what if this. Ha- it's- yeah, the 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 what happened earlier this year took the knees out of, out, out of them. But we were talking about winning for this year, twenty twenty two. You can talk about recruiting. You can talk about the the effects on the future. You can talk about all that. You talk about this team right here and the guys you've got and the guys you've got around you and all that. It's win and move on, survive and advance. And you got to get twenty twenty two done before you start thinking about the future. And I think that that's going to be reflected in recruiting.
1: It really doesn't matter, so I suppose probably not great to preface my point with that. But uh, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great, it a great really logical. way to grab your audience's attention. Ah, like,
0: oh, yeah, ah, oh, yes, uh, everybody, everybody just turned their volume up a little bit louder. Like, <laughs> all right, got to hear this, can't miss this.
1: I wonder how different it would have been if he had simply the team and him had won the Mississippi State and South Carolina games, or even just the Alabama game, and then maybe you you win the bowl game, maybe you don't. But at that alone, I think, I wonder how that changes our, our desire to do a coup.
0: Yeah, no, I mean... Because there's the, the people that, that do was...
1: that, or at least help breathe life into that, obviously wouldn't have liked him either way.
0: Right, it's just like, you have more ammunition when you lose five straight. And all of them were winnable?
1: Oh, that's, yeah. Oh,
0: like A and M's probably the least winnable just because like you your offense you never score had touchdown. it in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Your offense never had it, but yeah, it's and and that's something John Samuel Shanker said on Thursday. He was like, Look, we went six and two. We were six and two at one point. We we know what we're capable of. You can look at that and say, Okay, well you have a new quarterback and you have different wide receivers and X and Y and Z and the schedule's harder. It's all true, but, like, it's what I've been saying a lot this offseason. I'm not saying that this team's going to go out. I'm not going to guarantee that they make a bowl. I'm not going to guarantee that they are better this season. But if you're looking for reasons to think that they will be better and why I think they could be better is that 6-7 and seven was not a fair reflection of what this team is in their in their talent and how they can play. Now, they had a lot of mistakes, some of it coaching, some of it execution, some of the players. I mean, a lot, a lot felt bad luck. Football. A lot of football happened to them <laughs> during that losing streak, and I think for I think for Auburn it's like it's like when I, I wrote about it in, in the mailbag on Wednesday. Um, you know, Bill Connolly has Auburn's defense eleventh in SP Plus. That's what the projections have him at. There's talent. Tank Bigsby's a really good player. People talk about him as a you know second round pick of the NFL draft next year already. All SEC type of guy they're talking about running the ball and getting back to kind of that classic style and it's like if it's going to work, if it's going to happen, it needs to kind of be this way. And yet, you can't sit there and say there's no way, there's no way it's going to work. You can think it's not going to work and it might not work. But if you watch them play last season, I don't know how you can say definitively that there's no way it's going to work because they they beat some decent teams and they fell apart. <laughs> and some of that was the quarterback situation, some of that was play calling, some of that was coaching, some of that was game management, some of that was uh you know issues that have been with Auburn in their roster for a while. A lot of that kind of came came, came together, but I, I do know.
1: understand the scorn that people have for recruiting because it really hasn't oh, been, it hasn't been good yet.
0: And I understand people being negative, right? Like I've said it here and I've been trying to been trying to be pretty Um, public with it is like, like, look, man, like I would prefer you, the Auburn fan, be optimistic right now because optimistic means you're going to read and listen to my stuff more, right? It's better for business if you're optimistic. But if you are pessimistic about the season, I 100% get it. This could go poorly. Like all it takes, all it takes to me is like if they don't get the quarterback situation right and like that offense isn't marginally better, it, it it could get sideways really quickly. Right, um, but but I would say there there's reasons to point to optimism. I'm not saying that they're definitely going to happen, and it's it can be stuff like the close games that they had, and how one possession game records usually flip the year after, like just kind of normal analytics stuff. Then it's stuff like I wrote about earlier in the week, where it's like, yeah, when Auburn when people don't think Auburn's going to be any good, they usually are better than expected. That's Auburn. So I, just, I I guess that's just kind of a long-winded way of saying, like, I get it if you're negative. I get it if you're down in the mouth about this team. I get it if you don't think this is going to work. Yeah, there's a lot of things going against it. I think this team, mentally, culturally, all that, I think they're in a better position than they were last season because I think everything in the program is a lot more aligned than it was last year. Now, is that going to translate to wins and losses? I don't know. I don't know. Because the roster is what the roster is and you're gonna have to face some juggernauts in recruiting this year and you're not a juggernaut. I don't know. Like you said though, Banner, like if you want to be negative about recruiting, yeah, man. I think the four guys Auburn has committed are really good. And I think they're just a few commitments away from turning some things around, but like the run they're on right now is not very good. They got they got Jeremiah Cobb, they got uh they got um Carmelo English. And then a lot of dudes that they that they wanted to have started going the other way. That might not get turned like Harson said, you gotta win. Watch. Watch us win. Watch us change some narratives. Okay, when that happens, who's gonna be left? He was talking about flipping dudes, he was talking about going to the portal. That's all true, but it's like, what's gonna be around if you do if you do that? But the main thing is is like if you want to be around here and you want to survive, you gotta win this year. That's like you bring all those offensive linemen back. You return some of these guys that could have gone to the NFL or could have moved on and maybe would have made your roster a little bit more balanced for the future. Nope. you got to win now. you got to bring back every offensive lineman you can find because you weren't going to rebuild this offensive line this offseason.
1: That would have been tough because I complained. Brutal. I complained quite a bit about the offensive line over the last year, two, three, four, yeah, most of them basically since 2017. Uh, but if this line didn't come back, we'd be in a much worse spot. And I suppose I generally believe that they'll finish around middle of the pack in the in league play. Like, it's not going to be stellar, but I don't think it's going to be horrific this I season. They, yeah. And I, I think they'll just be a big drop-off from probably the top three or four teams to the middle of the pack in league play at offensive line. My, my thinking <laughs> yeah. being, like, Georgia's good, Kentucky's solid, A&M should be good. I don't think Alabama's going to have a bad offensive line two years in a row.
0: No. I honestly I think this year it's like it's Alabama, Georgia and everybody else. I think a and I think there's some doubts about A&M just because of where they're reloading in certain spots but like people know they're going to be really talented in the future. All it takes is for Auburn to catch a couple teams that might not be as good as people expect. And look, like if they are picked to finish behind LSU and Ole Miss and Arkansas, which they probably will be, at least two out of those three, they beat all of those teams last year. You know? Like, it's 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 not like this is point, you know, pointless or hopeless. I just think there's just a lot of negativity, and it's hard to see the positives when if you want to project, if you don't know a ton about Auburn's roster and you want to project how they're going to be this year, and you look at it and say, well, they lost a quarterback, and the guys that got to replace them, neither of them have been necessarily superstar kind of talents. Offensive line hasn't been great. Yeah, you know, they struggled on offense. You don't see any like, oh, this fixes it. You know, t- type of players. Defense should be solid, but moves. You know, it's you flip through the Athlon and you and you start looking at the Phil Steele and you break down certain spots. It's yeah, there's not a whole lot of reasons on the surface to really be excited about Auburn. Got to dig in a little bit though and say, okay, if things break their way, this will be happen. And, and it's not like we haven't seen this movie before from Auburn football. It's not like we haven't seen them just be like, okay, well, people thought we were going to be terrible. Look at this. Or people thought we were going to be mediocre. Look at this. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think and again, you could... and again, I want to be I, again. I want to be very, very clear. I want to be very clear about this. Is like, I'm not saying I'm not in the business of predictions. I'm not saying if they're going to do it or not. I think my whole thing is just like, I don't know. I kind of get kind of maybe not irritated, but I just kind of get. Uh, I kind of get tired of all the like. Oh, this is definitely like going to. Hundred percent going to crash and burn, you know, because it's like I just, I think this, I think this roster is more talented than that, and that's just my personal opinion. And I think stuff like having five games, home games in a row to start the season, it, it could break a little bit better than people expect.
1: Most importantly, I don't know what's going on with the Mississippi schools. This is totally anecdotal, but no one, I continue to see mississippi schools seemingly celebrating auburn's apparent demise and i cannot stress enough that i am confused by any sort of animosity that lingers between auburn and the mississippi schools one we are not the same and two they're not really rivalries no they're not. and again this is like a small subsect of like a curated timeline for me so maybe maybe twitter just knows what to put in my face but it It is confusing to me when I – Arkansas I get because it's like you guys are just hostile towards everyone regardless of what any sort of statistical analysis would reveal about the, you know, pecking order and where you stand in it within league play and and the SEC. But I don't know. The Mississippi thing is, is a curious thing for me to monitor. The Mississippi situation.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's the Mississippi situation. It's like, Lane Kiffin continues to be like, hey, we'll bring in every transfer on planet Earth. It's like, well, what happens when that stops? He's like, I'll probably be somewhere else.
1: Is anyone out there listening right now experiencing this phenomenon? Is this only me? Please let me know Please if you Peter are know. also yeah. having people. Are, are you apparently seeing others attempt to throw strays your way? I don't Mm-hmm. I don't know
0: at paint sharpless if you if you've experienced the Mississippi phenomenon um yeah and it's like they go to both of those Mississippi schools this year neither of those places are like crazy tough to win at i know starkville's got the cowbells and Auburn didn't have the like the most sparkling recent track record there but it's not impossible um you know you tripped over your own self over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again do you to think lose that they will
1: employ year? the same schematic uh, the same strategy in this game as they did in that one, or do you think there might be some? I think tweaks?
0: I think Auburn's <laughs> secondary. I think Auburn secondary has done some tweaking, and I think there's some guys that were a part of that that are no longer a part of the the team. Is very like, odd. I, it was yeah. There was some stuff in there. Where I was just like, I don't know what's happening here. This is so bizarre. Um, but you talked about the offense line. Let's talk about the offense line. They're going to be healthy, which is good. Um, There seems to be like seven dudes who could start this year. Um, You know, Nick Brahms is probably your lock at center. You would feel like Keandre Jones and Brandon Council are going to be your guys at guard, although there's some movability with Council. At tackle, you've got Austin Troxell, Killian Zire, and Brandon Coffey and Alec Jackson. There's going to be dudes who have started games before for Auburn who won't be starters this year, at least to start the season. That flexibility and that depth's going to be important. Can this Auburn offensive line make it work? Because we've said on this program before, there is a ceiling to how good this offensive line is going to be because recruiting-wise, not a ton of talent there. Not a ton of talent. Not a ton of talent from from the past on there. Um, offensive lines, one of those like tough, you develop them at different rates and, you know, the diamonds in the rough happen all the time. There's a ton of offensive linemen in the NFL that played at tiny schools or were barely recruited. Um, but you know,
1: there's also a lot of Alabama linemen in, in the NFL and you can imagine <laughs> what happens. And it's also like, when they it's also out like school. It,
0: it's also like if you look at the Malzahn era, the best Auburn offensive, lo- uh, best Auburn offenses were the offensive lines that were really good. They had the Greg Robinsons and the Braden Smiths and the Alex Kozans and the Reese Dismukes. What did all those guys have in common? They were really good recruits. Now, Nick Brahms and Austin Troxel, you know, a long time ago, <laughs> were really good recruits coming out of high school. They were they were blue chip guys. Keandre Jones was. Um, there's just not a ton of them, and so there might be a ceiling, but if we're to believe that experience matters a ton and continuity matters a ton, everybody's back, except for Burt Aries ham and Tayshaun Manning, you can shuffle. There's guys who have starting experience to fill in behind them. Um, and, you know, Brian Harson talked about Will friend. And he said, I think Will friends doing a really good job because the narrative when we came in was about how the offensive line was in trouble. It was a mess. And, they seem to believe having the same offensive line coach and the same system and the same players for a second year should take a step forward. And it's like, I'm at the point now where it's like, and if it doesn't, it's like, man, that, that this this crew just didn't have it. Like, it just, it, it just didn't work. Because I don't know what else you would want from an offensive line for 2022 for Auburn except for three guys that were really good blue chips that transferred in. It's like, well, that's not happening. No one's doing that. Like, no one's pulling that. Um, I'm going to be interested in that line battle. Really, I, I think the interior seems pretty set. Those tackle spots are going to be up for grabs. There are guys who were here in the spring. There were guys that were all the way healthy in the spring. There were guys that weren't. It's like, how does that all kind of shake out? And and could there be somebody other than those seven like veterans that breaks through? Like, that, Is that even possible at this point? I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule it out at all. I think Auburn's got to figure out the best combination that works. It doesn't matter who comes up with it and what it looks like. It's just that, it's just got to work.
1: Yeah. Can they sustain any injuries too? Like, do they end up having a solid group that's derailed by a single injury? Because you're probably going to have one.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to pick on the, you don't want to pick on these guys. And I'm not calling them, you know, injury prone or cursed or anything like that. But like, Brandon Castle and Austin Troxel have been hurt a good bit in the, their careers. It just happens, man. Like it's, Guess what? They're very large humans pushing against very large humans, and a lot of chaos happens, and you get hurt doing that. Like, they're the ones that ram their heads against each other every single play. And so, what do you do? What do you do with that? So, I'm I'm interested to see what this Auburn offensive line looks like. Again, I'm in believe it when I see it mode with them. And if you think that's kind of like the make or break unit for the team this year. Harson said something interesting on Thursday. He was like, you want motivation? Like, Motivation enough is, look, look behind you. You got Tank Bigsby and you got Jarquez Hunter. Block for those guys. They're really, really good. <laughs> like, Don't make them look bad. And there were times last year where Auburn's offensive line made them look bad because there were some games where Tank played and like he was not a factor much at all. And this wasn't even like, you got to keep running him. It was like, no, nah, his, his yards per carry was terrible. In some games against good opponents, and his short yardage stuff was not very good. And Jericho's Hunter disappeared after September in terms of his big playability. So, can it all come together? Albert's pass protection wasn't their issue last season. Didn't give up a ton of sacks. Some of that was taint, it was uh, was was Bo Nix's ability to scramble. they didn't, it, you know they were top. I think they were top four or five and pressure rate allowed in the league like they they did a good job in that aspect they just got to run the ball especially when you've doubled down so much and said we're getting back to classic auburn football we're going to do what auburn's known known for doing we're going to build this thing around the running game it's like all right make it happen we'll see how much continuity matters because again 2023 what that offensive line looks like and what the future is is like yeah that's that's anybody's guess and it could get rough because of years of failure to recruit at a high level on the offensive line and failure to develop. But like I said earlier, you got to get there first if you're this coaching staff. So you go all in on all these seniors.
1: And we have a recent example of a team with plenty of continuity having a average to subpar offensive line. When you look at the 2019 group, there were some good individuals on that group, but as a unit, they were not, as what man, I remember in between man, that, the eighteen and nineteen season, I was very bullish about the yeah. experience coming back, and it just never materialized.
0: And dang, man, if you look back on that team, if they could have been just a little bit better on the offensive line, the team that beat Alabama, the team that you know they, they could have they could have made a little bit more noise, they could have rumbled a little bit more. Um, but then again, the world changed a year later, and <laughs> we're we're in a spot now where everything's different when it comes to roster management and all that. But Auburn's going to try to take advantage of the fact that a lot of these dudes got free years out of it. So, we'll see. Painter, Brian Harson said Tank Bigsby's the most improved player on the team this summer. That sounds pretty insane, doesn't it?
1: It's good PR for Tank, and I don't think it's, it's just... really good PR. I don't think it's just PR.
0: Now, I, I for one, because Harson was talking about leadership and like doing the right things like you know being a being a guy they can turn to on and off the field like he was talking a lot about that but now he straight up said he was the most improved guy they've got because i think a lot of that doing the little things doing you know taking things super seriously with your technique and and focus to detail and stuff like that yeah that's gonna take a dude that at running back where you can play early um and it's it's a lot of athleticism and vision and reaction. Like there's a lot of that to it, but getting the details and the techniques down right, like you can see a guy jump up like that, and even if he's starting from a pretty good position, like all SEC type of position. Tanks, 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 gonna be an interesting spot this year.
1: Without being in his head, I can have no idea what tank thinks his level of involvement or seriousness or preparation was com- in the past two years compared to what it's been this off season. I can understand yeah. why a guy who's always been essentially the best, certainly in high mm-hmm. school. And he's been one of the best players on the field since he got out there as a freshman, like wouldn't take some of those more detail oriented tasks as seriously. But I think also like a reminder, he's probably what 20, 21 years old.
0: Yeah, so he's probably 11. 20. Derek. 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 brought that up today. He was like, "Y'all got to remember, he's still kind of a younger dude." Yeah. So I mean, compared to a lot of these older guys yeah, on the team, it's
1: nice they think he's turned a corner. Because if if he's always had the talent, and then you combine whatever it is that Harson seems to think he's doing better now, maybe it's mostly off-field stuff. Is that kind of the, what you were saying? Like, yeah, it seems to be things that are not so much about running the football or blocking.
0: This is what I kind of get back to when you talk about the attitude and the culture of this team. They talk about how much leadership, Harson says, like the leadership and the attitude of the team is very different than there was at this point last year. I go back to this with them. You know, when he talks about the leadership and the attitude and all that being different for this team, Auburn had so many guys go in the transfer portal this year, right? Several assistants leave, coordinators. It's really tumultuous time. And there's some guys like J.J. Pegues that are going to be at SEC schools. going to a place like Oregon. There's some dudes that liked Auburn and liked being at Auburn, but felt like their be- better spot was going to be somewhere else. It would have been very easy to leave, right? I think something's got to be said for the people who stayed back and decided to come back for now. And takes one of them. Takes one of them, a guy that went into the portal, potentially, reportedly, or at least was thinking about it, and then decided to come back to Auburn. You talk about vibes and you talk about what you need. If you're going to do things your way and you're going to be us against the world and you're going to prove everybody wrong, you talk about all that. It's like if you're an Auburn football player at this point, if you're playing football at Auburn University right now, after everything that happened this offseason, you got to be a true believer, right? Tank said it. Tank said it in one of his comments. He said, I want to change and do the things I have to do for Auburn. Coming to Auburn has been like, well, it was different. It's a different program. You got to be a different man to be in this program because a lot of people don't like us. A lot of people speak badly about us. But at the end of the day, got to be out to come, ready to come out and play. So that's why I came to Auburn. That's why I'm here at Auburn. I feel like we're going to do what we have to do this year and handle our business. Like I'm sure there's a lot of reasons that went into the Tank coming back. Uh, I think there's a lot of you know what Cadillac Williams said, what what Auburn said about him, what they were going to try to build build things around. Him. I think there were a lot of factors that went into it. But it's like, if you're in it at this point, Tank Bixby could have gone anywhere, man. Tank Bixby could have been like Jameer Gibbs and just been like, I'm going to go play at a really good school and be awesome and then go to the NFL. And that's it. The fact that he's still here, like that, I think that speaks volumes. And I'm very interested to see what a better, like a more improved little detail, attention to detail kind of Tank Bixby looks like. Because when he's on and the blocking's are right in front of him, I think personally, it's just me. He's one of Auburn's best running backs since his position coach, in Cadillac Williams. Like I, Trey Mason, Cameron Petway, on Johnson, obviously great seasons. Great Cameron artist Payne, great seasons, great teams, great players. Um, I think Tank has the ability, to like, be that kind of dude in the NFL. Like, I, it's just the talent's there with him. It's just a matter of can it can it all come together.
1: What do you think Gene Chizik meant when he said, let's lock and load and do what we do? Because I think there is a... I don't know if you were directly quoting Tank, but you at least said... What do what say? we do, and I—I I think it's like before the West Virginia game, and it has always stuck out to me. Let's lock and load. And t will uses do.
0: it in his rap. I remember that <laughs> the Tiger Walk rap. You know yeah, what I'm talking yeah, about. He had, yeah, he had at
1: least two songs that kind of got popular on the early stages, very early stages of online Auburn.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. How about this? How do you feel about how do you feel about Takeo Spikes replacing Chizik on TV? I saw Takeo spikes a good bit up here in Atlanta. He's going to be on the SEC network thing. Um, dude, who still looks like he's gonna, he could rip you in half in any moment.
1: His age wonderfully.
0: The the his neck is the size of a mini fridge. Like it's he. He seems know, made
1: for TV. He's got the charisma. He's
0: got, that, he's got the charisma for sure, and it like obviously he can't be like the war F and Eagle like you know.
1: Well, if you want to have it. a blazing TV career, Short, but blazing—it's
0: cable. It's cable. <laughs> you can do it technically. I took media law with Dr. Brinson. I know my. I know my rights.
1: Brinson, uh, man, shouts out.
0: Yeah. Um, Did y'all
1: have a cell phone go off in there? Yep. Oh,
0: it was that's a cell, tough. and it was a cell phone, and it was a cell phone. By a former Auburn football player. Oh. a guy that if I mentioned his name, people would know him and he played the NFL.
1: <laughs> what was the deal? He didn't have to take the final or something. She gave you a redo. I don't know. It was, it was, it was if funny. a,
0: if a phone ever went off in her class during the semester, the final didn't have to be cumulative. And like two weeks before the final. Is, oh no. This player who will remain nameless, but
1: you know who you are.
0: Oh yeah, you know who you are. Um but anyway. Uh I'm I'm gonna type out I'm gonna I'm gonna type out in the Zoom chat who it is so Painter can live react to it. Because I who it is makes it even funnier, I think. <laughs> uh, Does it not fit though?
1: <laughs> he would have been unfazed by it.
0: Yes, and he was. He was. Um Alright, so we talked offensive line We talked let's talk Coy Moore. Talk Coy Moore. He got a lot of he got a lot of love during and media who days. He drafted
1: him, that's right. Good work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're still stuck <laughs> on that. guy. <laughs> oh boy. Um the <laughs> the uh Moore got a lot of love uh during media days. Uh, Brian Harson said got told a story about how his first practice with the team, first you know, kind of summer workout they were doing, they were out on the field, and he took a little inside slant and he housed it, and everybody was like, "Whoa, whoa, that guy, that guy's got it!" All right, he can move. Um, heard a lot about him as a leader. Uh, Shanker talked very highly of him. It's just he kind of was the guy a lot of people were talking about from Auburn on media days. Interesting case. As I wrote in the in the newsletter on Thursday, he only caught twenty seven passes in two years at LSU. Now he didn't play a full year last year. Um, don't think he has a touchdown to his name yet. He might. Uh, but uh, here's the here's the thing there with him. I was like, well, how's this guy who has not been, you know. A huge factor at wide receiver in the past. How is he coming in and like become like, oh, that's a dude who can give give us help right now? Because it kind of seemed like a wild card. It kind of seemed like a lottery ticket. Number one, he's caught 27 passes in his career. Yeah. You know how many people have caught 20 passes at Auburn on this wide receiver room? <laughs> Two, Shedrick Jackson and Javarius Johnson. That's it. That is it. So he immediately comes in as like literally the third most production. On the team, someone right? did their
1: scouting and the, report,
0: and the wide receiver thing. Number two, number two. This is not a knock on Auburn's receivers and their talent level. I think Brian Harson said it on. Um, I think Brian Harson said on Thursday. He said, "We got dudes. We got playmakers. We just got to put them in the right position. We got to teach them what to do. You know, we got to make them receivers. Right? You got talent. You got athleticism. Here's my thing about Coymore. Moore. Moore just spent a year and a half, basically season and a half at LSU." right? If you were to tell me that a guy who had just spent a year and a half at LSU at wide receiver with what we've seen from LSU's wide receivers recently, you know, kind of the track record they've had. If you would have said, Hey, that guy's going to come into Auburn and he's going to immediately look really good compared to everybody else. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. And that's, that's not a knock on the guys that they have more of just like LSU's got that man. Like probably going to be a little bit more developed. Part of why you bring out Hilliard into the fold So you get a pro guy in there to help develop these dudes. But So, like, when you say, man, Coy Moore's a dude that's turned a lot of heads and he's been impressive. It's like, yeah, well, he's got the third most production of anybody coming in here. And he just played at a school for the last two seasons where what they do is they get really good receivers. If you were recruited to play a receiver at LSU and you play a receiver, especially as a true freshman at LSU, you're going to be good, right? They don't, they don't let scrubs walk out there. And I'm not calling what Auburn's guys got now are Scrubs. It's just it's just a different thing. So I'm not surprised at all with the more you think about it that Coymore's been been that dude for them early on.
1: Huge vibe change from Baton Rouge to Auburn or Medier, Louisiana. Metairie? Metairie. How do you say it? Metairie. Metairie. Oh.
0: Metairie. Metairie. it's the big uh it's the big Archbishop no, Rummel suburb. Yeah, he played. Makes at me Rumble think of Rumlemans. Uh Rummel Rummel. Tyra Matthew? Um, I'm pretty sure we've done this on the podcast. Christian Full... Uh, Jamar Chase played there. And Craig Steltz. Yeah, Metairie, that's uh, right outside of New Orleans. Um, you're, you're kind of a- Yeah, vibe's very different between New Orleans from between Baton Rouge. And, like, Baton Rouge isn't like New Orleans, but it's kind of like Diet New Orleans in a way. Um, but, yeah, vibe shift there, pretty interesting. Somebody mentioned, somebody talked about... I asked Derek Hall a question at Media Days. We were like... What's it like playing at Jordan Harris? It's like you're in this small college town, and then like on game day, there's like a ton of people there, and everybody's going crazy. It's like it's a big shift. Like Auburn, we t- Auburn's growing like crazy, and everybody's mad about all the downtown development, and you know all that stuff. Uh, Auburn's growing like crazy, but Baton Rouge is just like it's a city. It's like a like a large city. You know, compare compared to Auburn. So yeah, the vibes are very different. Food's very different too, though. Like I'll ride for I'll ride for some places in Auburn, obviously, since I lived there. There's some good places to eat. Baton Rouge, though.
1: I wonder what coach on the Auburn staff can eat the most.
0: So right off the top, I'm going with one of the line yeah. coaches, right? <laughs> I don't Brad Brad Bedell. and it tight ends basically the line. Rabidell's big That old was my, dude.
1: yeah. I don't, I don't want to be mean. I'm just saying, you know, offensive line, yeah. got to do what they got to do, baby. Colorado, go Buffs. Absolutely. I've been saying um, it for years.
0: <laughs> go Buffs. Harson also mentioned a couple of players to watch. I wrote about him real quick, but I want to mention, uh, y'all have asked about Xavier Capers. Continue to hear good things about his offseason. If Auburn can get a tall dude like him to really contribute at wide receiver, that'd be huge. Uh, Interesting quote about Tavares Dawson said Dawson was kind of goofing around last season and just like enjoying being on a college team and he's kind of taking it seriously this year. And they seem like as a redshirt freshman, he's going to have a chance to uh, contribute. Uh, John Samuel Shanker says he's going to have to kick Lane and King out of the group chat for the tight ends. Cause he's not a tight end anymore. That was funny. Um, oh, defense, Derek Hall, uh, a lot of love for Marcus Harris, which I thought was pretty significant. Marcus Harris was really good last season. He said he thought Marcus Harris is just kind of a completely different type of dude this year, which is which will be interesting to see. And uh, I asked Derek Point Blank. I was like, hey, Dylan Brooks, you talked about Dylan Brooks earlier. Um, can he help you all this year? And he said, he has no choice. And it's like, that's another thing. Like, they're kind of blunt about the situation. It's like, yeah, no, we're going to need you, brother. <laughs> like, <laughs> there are no... You're it <laughs> like, and he talked about how Marcus Bragg was like looked good early on but it was like mm, we need this guy we we need this guy to, to play right now.
1: Hard times breed oh. men. Sure that's right is that, is that the, that's how is it that goes <laughs> just like that Breed
0: men <laughs> oh man um yeah so I I think that's it from kind of all the stuff that I have off the top of the dome here with, with it comes to sec media days, um, there'll be more stuff. Obviously we've got, we've got a week or and some change to go before fall camp. We'll have some more coverage, obviously. Um, and some more, uh, some more stories and podcasts and stuff. To talk about it. Lining up some guests oh, yes. here in, in the future, at least one more. We got one more big one. We're hoping to have one that I think will be popular with those of you who listen to this podcast. um, so looking forward to that another another one of our friends uh, who covers college football uh, outside of Auburn. But um, I don't know anything else you want to add here, Painter, about the about because we got a couple more things I want to talk about before we go. But media days, just the vibes, the attitude, the style. It's like I, I get the, the main message I got kind of top down was we're still standing. This is our team. This is our style. This is our coaching staff. This is our players everybody's bought in we don't care if you believe in us or not this is how it's going to be we're moving we're moving forward and um you know it's better it's better than making excuses and it's better than being fractured and fragmented which I think this team especially during the losing streak dealt with last season
1: are you excited to get back into the football audio yes. um, oh, what do we call there, that I the guess. press conference room what's the actual name for that? is it just an auditorium
0: the auditorium yeah i can't remember whose name is on it doing some riffing uh, with the
1: lads before before they get there
0: always (laughs) had a little bit of that had a little bit of that in atlanta always good always always good good time um
1: do you miss marcello i feel like you guys had a had a good back and forth usually
0: yeah you know i hate it i I didn't get here until wednesday marcello went up to acc media days i i wanted to run into him um It's good. Like, media days, we can talk about the utility of it and kind of how advantageous it is for a local person. But, like, it's good to see folks that you don't see every year. Or or, all the time, I should say. You see them every year at this thing. So, it'll be good. Uh, I'm interested to see what what fall camp brings. Um, I'm looking forward to covering actual football again. Uh, That'll be fun. Also, Painter... Coming up soon, we got actual basketball to to, to talk right. about. That's right,
1: Bruce is making moves. Enrique. It is my favorite thing that he has ever done. That includes the Final Four run, the uh, Israel <laughs> tour,
0: the fact that <laughs> the fact that about. the fact that's okay. Just, that I think right we're going to see more of crazy. this
1: now. Bruce is going to popularize this. Like, there's not a lot going on at that time yeah. of the year. I know that it's not like nationally people are going to be watching it, but if you don't have anything else to do, you're associated with the SEC, you might be bored, might flip it on, it's some good pub.
0: Yeah, no, it's like, you want to watch this play right now? You want us to keep the vibes going? You want us to start. Yeah, it's the only other team that's ever done this in the SEC is Kentucky. I think Kansas may have streamed their, their overseas games before, but having it on cable, having it on the SEC network, is pretty significant. Uh, in case you missed that, Auburn is playing, uh, going to Israel. That is coming up on July 31st. The tour goes from July 31st to August 10th. So the inaugural uh, birthright for college basketball tour. They hope that the, like Auburn can only go on these once every four years, can go on these overseas tours. What Pearl is hoping that they do is that this becomes a thing that happens uh, annually. That college basketball teams go over there. It's happened a little bit in the past, but uh, Auburn's the first one to do it in a while basketball in Israel is pretty good. Um it is a kind of a growing presence in um it's got is it's a growing presence, presence in European basketball um with things like their domestic league and Euroleague. Uh Eurobasket coming up, FIBA FIBA World Cup. Uh Tuesday, a week from Tuesday, uh, August 2nd, they will play the U20 national team in Jerusalem. Uh and then on Sunday, August 7th, they play an all-star select team. It's probably it sounds like a d- domestic league team, like some some best ofs, um, on Sunday, and then on Monday, August eighth, they wrap it up against the senior Israeli national team. Uh, those last two games are both taking place in Tel Aviv. You can watch all those games on the SEC network. It'd be very interested to see what the competition looks like. Auburn crushed those Italian teams a few years ago when they went over there. Um, I would think. Just I would think the Israeli playing the higher ups in in, in uh, Israeli basketball would be tougher. Uh, I did because I'd seen some Auburn fans talking about it. Um, it looks like uh, Denny of Av- uh, uh, Deja, uh, who is uh, a guy who um, just finished his second year with the Wizards. He's like Israel's like top basketball prospect maybe ever. Um, plays for the Wizards. Doesn't look like he's going to be able to play, or he's going to come over to play for that. They're trying to save him for Eurobasket in September. But this is a team of guys that play all over Europe and um, are in the midst. That's the other thing, too. It's like they're in the midst. That national team is in the midst of trying to qualify for the FIBA World Cup. They're in the midst of qualifying for Eurobasket. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what, what all that comes to it. The in. The U20s and the selects, so are obviously, I think will be a step down. But that, that showdown against the national team should be fun, um, especially for guys like Auburn, where I think – most of the guys, if not all the guys that play for Auburn, you would think on this roster have professional basketball aspirations. Like a lot of them, NBA, G League. But you know, even for some guys who aren't necessarily, you know, star players, maybe play in Europe. Uh, Bryce Brown just signed a deal. He's he's going. He's following in the footsteps of the great Kenny Gabriel and playing in Turkey. He's uh, with Besiktas now and uh in 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 turkey so shout out to bryce for signing that deal um if you can shoot and you have pretty good athleticism uh american basketball players can make a lot of good money uh playing in europe so i'm interested to see what that looks like and again the branding opportunity for bruce pearl is just off the charts off the charts and auburn will only be able to do this once every four years but they want to kind of make this a thing uh when it comes to uh playing in israel and also um you know, it's going to be good publicity. Explain the,
1: partner, the once sure. every four years again.
0: Yeah, so the NCAA has a rule that you can go to, you can have an overseas tour. Um, you can play preseason games overseas. They allow a foreign trip if you raise enough money for it. So I think Auburn, yeah, this was raised by, um, you know, scholarship, like boosters, uh, donors uh, help them pull this off. Um, you can only go once every four years because the NCAA has that rule. Of like, hey, if you stay all four years of college, we'll let you go. That's kind of the thing. That's kind of the trade-off you make. Um, they don't like letting you do it every year. It's I'm sure there's a lot of red tape and all that involved there. But yeah, Auburn is uh, Auburn's going to be going and playing in an Israel here very soon. And uh, SEC Network, we'll get to watch the games. We'll get. I mean, shoot, I mean, well, I'm going to write observations from it. I'm going to treat it like I'm going to treat it like it's a basketball, like you know, full full blown basketball games for Auburn. So, uh. Pair when you watch this basketball team, what are you most looking forward to about, about this career? Because it's, it's an interesting roster, especially in the wake of Jabari and Walker leaving.
1: The guards, we found out just how important they are. I mean, no, we didn't find out. We knew that. But it was a glaring example of how important guard play is. And I certainly...
0: Can another year of experience right, help I them out? I certainly
1: think the pieces around them are as good as you can hope if you're a team that expects to be a top three four team in the league compete for a title. but what sort of step forward right. do you get out of your guards because I think the rosters obviously wildly talented.
0: Is this out is it, we've heard a lot about Alan Flanagan and Jalen Williams heading into this year. Is this gonna you know is this going to be the start of the show for them? You get to see some Yoan Treor obviously Broom, chance Westry you know you'll get to see some of the newscomers but i'm with you it's just how much different do these guards look and then some of the veterans that we expect auburn to kind of carry some of the load that you lost from your two great one and done all americans you know what what does that look like and again you're not playing scrubs you're not playing like a d3 team you're not uh, you're not playing a. that's other you're not playing a team you're not playing a team that's getting started either like you're you're playing dudes that are this point in the middle of qualifying or just come off of their demand like you're playing professional basketball players uh in a league most of those guys playing a league that are that that are that is pretty good um so interesting interesting to see there uh what auburn's going to turn into and we'll have coverage of that and i'm sure we'll talk more about that moving forward and um also one more thing before we head out uh Some more basketball news. Uh, Maddox Jeffries, uh, after being a graduate assistant for two years for a manager, uh, his four years as an undergraduate, he's a longtime figure around the program, very well liked among the staff and the players, uh, has been promoted. He's got a new job. He's going to be the assistant uh, director of operations for Auburn men's basketball, Um, a guy that, uh, like I said, uh, has been a, good piece of what auburn has done these last few years um obviously loves the program and loves uh you know being on pearl staff and good to see that auburn's auburn's in a position where they can just add another support staff member which i think is a good sign of the investment in the program and uh yeah always good to see always good to see it like a you know like a manager you know spent spent four years you know grinded for the program and then a graduate assistant and how tough those jobs are and I'm sure he had opportunities to go coach elsewhere, and Auburn's going to keep him in-house. So very very good move there. So I think that will do it for this podcast. If you are listening to this uh, on Thursday or Friday or Saturday or whatnot, uh, if you're a subscriber, thank you for subscribing uh, to The Observer. Since we're recording this at the end of the week, uh, we will not have a new podcast over the weekend. Instead, we're going to unlock this to the free folks uh, over the weekend, we also are going to unlock uh, the uh, draft episode that we did a couple weeks ago. So you get two for the price of one. For those of you who are subscribers, don't worry we'll try to make it up for you, make it up to you at some point, but thank you for subscribing. Like I said, we've got some guests in the works. Uh, we're looking forward to getting the new season started and getting that rolling. Uh, and uh, we've got some fun stuff lined up. Uh, it's a couple fun stories, perhaps some merch coming back. I know y'all have been asking for it, so maybe some maybe some merch uh, news here soon as we get closer and closer to the start of football season, and of course preseason basketball. It'll be a lot of fun. Never a dull moment. It's been a fun off season in terms of having stuff to talk about. We're gonna keep that rolling here, and uh, yeah, we will be back uh, next week with the next podcast. Um, you know, you get the uh, you get the two unlocked ones in the free feed uh tell your friends if you want people to check it out and want people to subscribe to the observer tell them you, know, you get a preview of what our premium podcasts are like uh this weekend and then the newsletters as well uh the subscription's going back up here you know there was a time when people were kind of taking the summer off checking out a little bit we're getting, those are starting to creep back up so we appreciate you guys because it's all word of mouth and uh, what you guys do to uh, promote what we've got going on. So, appreciate appreciate you guys. And if you're listening on the weekend and you are a free um, listener, and you listen on the free feed, good time to subscribe. Like I said, a lot of basketball, a lot of football coming up. Auburnobserver.com newsletters, podcasts. We'll get you at least five things a week. It'll be more like six or seven as we get closer and closer to football season. So, that'll do it. Painter, your final thoughts? So, I have to read. The, I have to read the trivia question. All right, so Painter, Painter's microphone is acting up, so I have to read my own trivia question to myself. Oh, this one's easy. What was the name of the fictitious fraternity by which the Houston Cougars of Clyde, Drexler, and Akeem, then Akeem, Olajuwon, were n- known in the early 1980s? That's a great question, Painter, and I'll tell you this. Our friends at Homefield Apparel have a shirt just for the this crew, and I own this shirt. The Houston Cougars, back in the day, fly the thigh slamma jamma almost screwed it up. Five slamajama. Go Cougs.